Hi, I'm Steve Beale, and this is my colleague, Stuart Henderson. And we are part of a team of academic developers at Swansea University who provide support and promote good learning and teaching practices and experiences. Welcome to a pinch of salt Swansea University's learning and teaching podcast. If it has anything to do with learning and teaching in higher education, let's make sure everyone knows about it. And today we are joined by three guests from Swansea University Libraries. We have Laurie Havard, Head of Academic Support for Swansea University Libraries, who has worked in libraries for 40 years, from Public Medical National Academic Libraries. She's also passionate about libraries and the library profession. She's been at Swansea University since 2002, where she started as a subject librarian for health and medicine and is now the Head of Academic Support for the library. We've also got Sarah Jones, Customer Service Manager for Swansea University Libraries, who currently manages frontline services for library and IT services at Bay and Singleton Park Libraries. Prior to that, Sarah was the manager of the Swansea University Transcription Centre with a strong background in library and disability support services. And also James Broomhall, Document Supply Senior Service Advisor, who works in the library content team where he is responsible for the Document Supply Service. The Document Supply Service supports staff and students' research and learning by obtaining interlibrary loans and copies of works from library collections outside of our own at Swansea University. They also support teaching by digitising chapters, articles and extract from the library's print collections for use in iFind reading and on the university's digital learning platform, Canvas. So welcome all to A Pinch of Salt. So to start us off, perhaps you'd all like to say in turn, what initially attracted you to a career in libraries, would you say? I'll give it a start this, <laughs> because I think I've probably been in libraries longer than many of my staff have actually been alive. I've been in libraries for 40 years. And I started in a public library. It was the public library I grew up with. And it was one of the main reasons I did get into libraries from a child all the way up to a teenager in my high school, getting ready to go to university. The library seemed to be a place I can go to focus, to learn, to be very open. No one judged me. They also encouraged me and offered kind of advice on where I want to go with my next step of reading and introducing texts that I didn't know about. So it was a real place of discovery. And as a child, that was very, very, very exciting. So I started working in the public library when I was 15 years old. And then I moved into a medical library and I started specializing. And that was exciting too, because it was really important work to know what resources the medical staff needed to help treat patients. And then I went on to academic libraries, and I really enjoy that too, because it's quite nice to pass on this opportunity for learning and, as I said, discovery and getting excited about libraries and how they could really add to a student's not just academic life, but their intellectual discovery outside of their studies as well. So it's a really exciting place to work in and um, really thrilled when you see students quite come up with a new idea or have those aha moments when they're looking through our collections and everything starts to fall into place and make sense for them. Brilliant, thank you. Shall I go next then? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, 
There we are. So I'm Sarah Jones, and I started working in libraries when I was 16, still in high school in Vancouver. It was a great part-time job, a brilliant way to learn about the workplace, excellent colleagues. Again, I really enjoyed the welcoming environment in libraries. The whole ethos of information professionals is providing access to information in a non-judgmental way. So I, I really enjoyed that. I think also what I really loved was just the access to so much information, so many different subjects. Every day was different. Working with, with books at the time, and of course now it's it's much more, there's much more technology involved, working with e-resources. E the introduction to customer service was excellent. I think libraries have always been at the forefront of providing excellent customer service, and we've seen that in the libraries in Swansea University. We were the first professional service unit to go for customer service excellence. And that was important to me. I enjoyed working with people. So I think one of the things I most enjoy is that mix, the digital being at the forefront in a way of technology, as well as the print collections, working with people. It's a really nice mix of things. Yes, for me, I think I, I've, I've been working in libraries now for about 10 years. When I finished university, I went straight into a part-time library assistant role back in Birmingham. And that was my first library job. And it was then I realised that this was the, the career path for me. I think it was the being there, helping staff and students, helping them to, to sort of find that missing piece. And I think that sort of carried on through to my current role in Document Supply, where there's a lot of detective work involved, and it's helping them to find the right resources the right way. And you just get a lot of satisfaction from being able to, to put that missing piece in place and to work with, work with academic um, colleagues and, and students to do that. Great, that's, that's marvellous. Thank you, James. You've all identified this aspect of the library being somewhere providing help for people and, and helping people to discover what, what they're needing to do whatever it is that they're doing at the moment in time that they come to you. Do you think there's aspects specifically of university libraries that makes the job here in Swansea or in university libraries unique or different from such as the public libraries that, that Laurie and Sarah uh, said that they were initially involved with. Is it a different role that you fulfill here? It is different from uh, public libraries are great because they have a very wide range of and diverse type of collection to meet the public needs. In academic libraries, we work very uh, closely with the academics and the students to know what is required of the curriculum. So our collections really are closely aligned with the uh, learning that's going on in the university and the research that's going on in the university. So it is very honed in. And in the library, we really bring together this full package of content and collections relevant to their studies along with professional and knowledgeable staff, physical and diverse spaces, and helpful systems that enable these students to navigate through this complex and large amount of information that's available to them and lead them to discovering resources they need to achieve in their academic success and hopefully take that on into their employability and uh, the rest of their lives, really. So there is a very big focus on that collection is supporting what their academic achievement uh, is at the moment and the research needs. I know this podcast is talking about learning and teaching, but of course, research is also a big part of our outreach. 
and that research-led teaching we support very much as well. Yeah, I think in terms of the complexity of the offering in the library as well, we're a place where people go just to get help with almost anything they can think of, particularly in a university environment. Students come in with all kinds of questions. I get, where can I get my flute fixed? All sorts of things. And I think that the it's because of the concept of library as a place where you can go to ask questions, where you can get any information. And even if the staff don't know, they have the skills to find out and they will, they will help you access the information that you need. And I think, uh, as Zoe says, it's about researchers as well as students. But then we also are a, a resource for the community as well. And we play a part in welcoming students in further education in the colleges uh, onto university campuses we offer. We participate with widening um, access with reaching wider programs and have tours in the, in the library. And that's one of the areas that they've offered feedback that the students really enjoy seeing because they, they haven't had access to an academic library. So I think that's an important function as well. Okay, yeah, so maybe a, a wider remit than maybe people imagine at first. So I suppose following on from that, so a similar theme of, of people not quite realising what can be done within the library. Can you tell us what, what aspects of your job or the library's role maybe people overlook? So what are the sort of services that you provide that people don't necessarily realise you can do and with a little sort of redirection from you, they can get much more from, from your service? I, I feel like my, my team as the content and acquisitions teams, we're, we're very much in the background. We're not, we're not necessarily on the, the front line, so you don't see what we're doing, but we're working away in the background. Whether that's my systems colleagues who are enabling off-campus access to journal articles and, and electronic resources, whether that's my acquisitions colleagues who are ordering e-books or ordering books for the print collection, and then there's my team, the document supply team, who... We're a little bit more front-facing, so we do deal with staff and students on, on a daily basis and speak to them, and we fulfil their requests for, for books or articles that the library doesn't necessarily hold. But there's a lot of this action going on, on behind the scenes, and I think people often think of the library as a, a building with books, but there, there are people there making it happen. And so working with their customer service colleagues and librarian colleagues who are often the front-facing part of the service we can ensure that we're making sure that the resources that we get for our staff and students are the right ones it's it's been more important over the last couple of years especially with with the pandemic that we've been enabling a lot of this access to remote resources that weren't necessarily there before or that we didn't really have have a need for before but now all of a sudden we're having to to do a lot more to make those resources available I think if it's going well and it's smooth from the user's perspective that's great but there is an awful lot of work in the background and James' team and content collections does an awful lot to make things available. And when I think during the pandemic, it's really quite shown the importance of the work being done to make everything change into the digital content was a big challenge. And there was an awful lot of work being done behind the scenes on that. But the library seems to be a place where if it's working well, that's great, but I think there is a, a lack of understanding of how much is being done in the background to make those resources really seamlessly available. So if it's seamlessly available and it's easy to find, that's great. We've done our job very well. I was just going to add as well, I think we're one of the only places on campus that's open 24 hours as well. So we have students in at all hours 
We have long staff hours as well on our information desks. So one of the areas that we often are quite involved in is well-being. We come across distressed students, students who aren't feeling well, students who are very stressed and anxious sometimes. So our staff have training in assisting those students and signposting to well-being. And I think that's a very important part of our role that is often not realized or, or people aren't aware of. But we consider it very important. So that would be one I would identify very interesting. Thank you. I, w- I was also going to say most of you touched on the recent pandemic. How is that? Has that changed things fundamentally for how libraries work or will it change the future of libraries? Do you think how libraries are perceived and how they function or is it not? Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the library, I think, has always been sort of a a bridge between physical and digital spaces. So what we were working towards anyway was much more e-content. And I guess I think what COVID has done is maybe made that even more seamless in a sense that the transition between physical spaces and digital spaces will have students sitting in the library, but they're using our digital content. One of the things we were well aware of from comments on Unitu and feedback we received from students was how much they missed coming into the library and having a physical space to come to. And it was interesting to see online things like the Korean practice of gong bang, which is students basically just filming themselves studying. And what that indicated was how much they missed just a space for that sort of shared endeavor of learning and studying. And it's there's something about libraries as a space that provides that sort of inspirational environment to to all participate in learning and studying. And so we are e-content, we're digital spaces, we're physical spaces, we're staff. And I guess that's what the, the concept of library is. It's kind of the sum of its parts. And that's what people appreciate. When we did uh, focus groups back in 2018, we were trying to identify spaces on campus that where we could create alternative study spaces to the libraries because the libraries were so full. And we asked students, well, what is it about the library? Why do you come to the library when there are these other spaces you could go to? And it was very much that concept of library as a space that even though students maybe had come from uh, backgrounds where they didn't use a, a public library very often, they just knew that in a, in a learning environment, the library is that sort of neutral space. Everybody comes together no matter what subject they're studying, uh, and they really value that. So we were trying to recreate something outside of libraries that was, <laughs> in effect, a, a sort of library-type space. So yeah, that would be my sense of it. COVID really flags that even even more so. Just in the last few days, with spaces opening up a little bit and holding ID card issue events in the libraries, students are coming in and saying how happy they are that the spaces have reopened, that the library's available again. Not that it wasn't available during COVID because we had all of our support and our e-content available online, but it, as I say, coming back to that idea of the sum of its parts, people like the the choices. Yeah, I think that multidisciplinary uh, kind of mix in the library is what makes it unique on campus too. It is quite a nice atmosphere when you have students across all the disciplines coming together and studying together. There's a quite a magical thing about all of that and talking to each other. And that was missed. I've been to a number of student panels uh, on conferences and even internationally, students have missed coming into the place of the library 
in the space of the library, many of them living in areas, uh, maybe in a housing that has a lot of people in it, there's lots of activities, and coming into the library space makes you focus and say, I'm ready to work now, and uh, they have missed that along the way. I have to say, with the COVID, we've moved all our teaching online, and again, something some might not be aware of. We are embedded into the curriculum as much as we can. We'd like to do more of that. We have a team of subject librarians and liaison librarians that teach, and we've moved all online since March of last year. And actually, that has been quite a successful move. We were quite prepared for it, and we're actually having better engagement with students online and more attendance online for our library sessions. So that's been a good thing. I think going forward, we'll probably have a mix. When we can see students and it's appropriate, we will be doing teaching uh, in person, probably after January. But a lot of our sessions will still be online. We're recording everything we're doing. We're putting it up in Canvas. We're having online drop-ins and online chat, live chat. So a lot of these things we introduced at the time of the first lockdown have really shown to be beneficial and we'll continue with it after restrictions are lifted because it's really shown how we can blend all that together and for the student experience to make it better. So, so sort of ha having said that the students had been missing the physical environment and the opportunity to come in and study and maybe work with colleagues or, or other students around them on projects and, and such like. Now that things have been opening up again and students are, to a greater extent, at least back on campus, are they returning to use the library in the same way that they would have done before? Or are you still noticing that there's a, a difference in the way that they are sort of physically coming in or attending to remain remote and using online facilities more so? I think it's, again, there's going to be a mix in the same way that staff around the university often seem to want to maintain a sort of hybrid style of working where they can work from home and access all the files and applications that they need from home to work effectively just as they would on campus. I think students have the same expectation now. They want that mix. So when it suits them, if they're on campus and they want to come in, they want to be able to do that. And likewise, also be able to basically have, well, as one student once told me, have the library in their bedroom if that's where they want to access it. So I guess that's kind of our, our aim really, is to, to offer that sort of choice. It has been a challenge during COVID because we have had to restrict our capacity bookings for spaces. That has been difficult for students. We've had to limit access so that it could be fair. We are now able to open up a little bit, so we will be offering some open access seating as well as bookable study spaces in our smaller rooms. Um, so again, we're trying to meet everybody's needs in effect. So if there are people who are more vulnerable and who are very anxious about COVID, we'll have smaller spaces that are bookable and socially distanced where masks are uh, essential. And then we'll also try and uh, aim to offer drop-in spaces so that it's not restrictive or people will have more of an opportunity to come in around lectures and use spaces without having to 
think so far in advance and book a space. So it's a challenge. We have to be responsive because as Welsh Government guidance changes and university management guidance changes, we need to respond to that. But we're also always trying to respond to what our users are telling us they need and meet expectations there. So we just will continue as we did during the COVID pandemic going forward in that way. Yeah, I think from, from a content perspective, it's um, we've already we've always had an or at least for the past few years we've had a, an e-first policy. So in terms of the materials we're we're, we're obtaining, we've always if there's an e-book available or an electronic journal available, we will we will seek the electronic option first. I think what the pandemic has done is it's um, brought into sharp focus resources that are available in print but aren't being made available to libraries in electronic format and I would encourage academics to 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 look up the ebook SOS campaign it's run by a librarian from the University of Gloucester Johanna Anderson and she's but 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 the issue of ebook availability and accessibility um, before the competition and markets authority because what what we often see is that uh, a student might be working remotely and they want a, an ebook and they think it's going to be available because it's available on Kindle. Um, but because a book is available on Kindle, it doesn't necessarily mean it's available to the library as a um, as a library licensed ebook. And so it's it's down to the publishers to make that content available to libraries in an accessible and affordable way. What this ebook SOS campaign has done is it's it's brought brought this to the attention of librarians, academic staff, students up and down the UK. I'd encourage um, everyone to, to look into it and to sign, sign the open letter. It's currently before the Competition Markets Authority for investigation. And it's really made us more aware of the, the move towards digital and how it's not as easy as just swapping a print book for an e-book. There are often costs involved. For example, the cost of a single user e-book might be, for, might be £400, whereas the cost of the print equivalent might be £40. We're seeing a lot of examples like that. And so really it's, it's, we want to start that conversation with academics and their publishers to start thinking about how is my work being made available? I'm writing, I'm authoring this work. Who, is, who, who will be able to access it and who will be able to buy it? So it's really brought that, that, that discrepancy between electronic and print acquisitions into, into sharp focus for us. And um, the more attention that's drawn to it, hopefully it will have a, an impact and and we'll be able to provide more and more e-resources for our staff and students in the long run. Following on with that idea of moving across towards you know, a, a more digital world in terms of our resourcing, are there any other sort of hidden benefits to that that might be of use to, to a lot of students on campus? Above and beyond just that sort of immediacy of availability or remote availability, are, are there any other sort of hidden advantages to digitization of resources? I think I'm, I'm quite happy to answer answer that one. We, we in, in my team, we, we digitise a lot of book chapters and extracts from from the library's print collections. Um, so the the main reason for this is copyright. It's where we the university has a, a license from the copyright licensing agency, which allows us to do blanket copying of most UK texts and some international texts. We have to do this within specific limits, so we can't copy a whole book, for example. Unfortunately, copyright legislation doesn't allow for that in the UK. But what we can do is we can digitise extracts or chapters from, from particular print books in the library's collection. 
One of the added advantages of this is accessibility as well. It's what we find is we, we find some examples of PDFs in Canvas or on reading lists where they're upside down, flat image, you can't do anything with them, not very accessible at all. So what my team do is the, the copies we produce, they're accessible. Um, they're run through optical character recognition, so they're compatible with screen readers, you can search within them. And they're in a good resolution and they're clear as well, so you don't get any shadows or, or illegible text. But this, this accessibility, it's a case where it's about more than making resources accessible for people with uh, specific accessibility needs. It's accessible for everyone at that point. It just makes our resources more, resources more interactive, more usable. So it's a bit, when, when, when we consider accessibility, we're, we're considering it as a benefit to everyone. The reaction we have to our scans is very positive and yeah, and we encourage more staff to use to use the service so they can go to our library webpage, look for document supply and look for the digitization service. Key resource for the students is this reading list that the academics put together and uh, we encourage the academics to use our online reading list system and to really talk to your librarians about this, your subject librarians, because they need to look at if there is going to just be a chapter, as James said, we only have 10 copies in the library. It is an accessibility issue and a benefit to the student if we can digitize that chapter and make it available on Canvas for everyone to use. So you're not waiting for the book to be returned and so forth. So we can advise on that. We could also advise if they want to include something that the library does not own and how James and his uh, team can help get a copyright cleared version of that to put into Canvas. We could also look at if things are not available digitally, like again, like James said, sometimes it looks like it's available because you can get it personally, but the library cannot get a license to it. To look at alternative text, make sure that the students have the, that type of resource that they need. And we could also talk to them about diversifying in their reading lists we have a, uh, a page dedicated to diversifying your reading list and decolonizing your reading list. So the librarians can advise how we can look at different publishers and different texts that you might want to put into your reading list that give a wider perspective on, on your subject matter and have a diverse authorship and publishing for, for your reading list. So reading lists are really core to that student and how we do our collections is based on the reading list needs. So academics have a lot of influence on in what is in the library collection through this reading list. And we would love to collaborate with you on that to make sure that it is a, a very good and living resource for the students. I'd just say as a, my own personal experience, I've been both a student and staff member at Swansea, and it's always struck me just how embedded and integrated the library services are across the university it always feels like it's working in partnership it's not there's no silo it's, it's fully embedded holistic and it's always been really impressive so that's always something i've always appreciated on a personal level yeah I, I, you've been answering most of my questions already so <laughs> i've been looking at my sheet a little bit nervously but perhaps i was also going to ask we've touched on some of the 
existing challenges. Do you see any coming challenges in terms of library service provision on the horizon? Well, I think in the HE environment at the moment and everywhere, really, everybody's facing doing more with fewer staff, with less resource. So that, so that's a challenge. How can we refine our processes so that we're not doing anything that we don't need to do anymore, so that we're focusing purely on, on what's required what's needed, what users are telling us they need, what academic staff are telling us they need, and researchers. So that that's a big part of it, is always being aware of how we can improve services, how we can streamline and do things more effectively and more efficiently. And again, keeping at the forefront of with technology as well, that's a, that's a challenge too. Keeping everybody's skills up, having time to to, de- to develop skills, opportunities to do training, that's, that's very important and can be challenging when we're trying to cover services with, with fewer staff. So, so from my point of view, that's certainly high on my agenda is working through those sorts of priorities. I think, yeah, as, as I mentioned before, I think it's being aware that we're in a, 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 different, a different working and learning environment now. We can't guarantee that our staff and students will be on campus to access the resources they need physically. So the real challenge will be to see in which ways we can make these resources available electronically. And, and as Laurie said, if, if we can't do that, then to encourage academics to think about alternative resources and to think about the way they're making their, their publications available as well. I was, I was also going to say, as we're talking about engaging the academic staff, what, what might you say to any academic or learning and teaching colleagues who have not really engaged with the library before? What would you say to them to encourage them or where to start, perhaps? I think that if they, they do have faculty liaison librarians, subject librarians, they have the customer service team to engage with in the buildings. There are contacts. Do look at our website and you'll find some contact details. But to, to listen to the student, really. The students do find the library to be really a core to their learning experience. And to engage with us, you could really exploit all the benefits of having a, a good conversation and engagement with us to create an area where we have the resources you need for your teaching and the collection that you need to support that, as well as your research. We have people here that can help from a wide range of areas, from accessibility to teaching to supporting in the systems of how you can retrieve and discover all the information that we have. There's a lot of information out there. And we procure that, but we also know of items that we don't have to uh, acquire that we can point you in the direction of support for. So I think that... I'm not saying this as much as as well as I'd like to, but to come and talk to us is is the, the key that I'm trying to get through is we do have an awful lot to offer and it will make uh, your life easier as an academic, but it will also benefit your students and the experience that they have in their course. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a friendly face. Anyone can come into the library, speak to, to anyone and, and we'll be here to help. We've had new lecturers arrive in our office previously with a week to go before they start teaching a new module. And we're the ones who can make sure that the, those resources are available for them and their students. We, we Obviously, we do like academics to prepare, and most academics will have their reading list set up and, and their courses planned ahead of time. But sometimes, as I say, we, we will have a new, a new academic joining us. They don't have a lot of time to prepare. 
we're the ones who can support them through that process of making sure that they've got those resources available and that their reading list is populated with with links to access the resources that need and that the library has purchased the resources they need as well. So it, it's really a case of come in and we'll support you and it's, it's not just for, for you, it's for your students as well so that they have the best learning experience. I think also many may have engaged with us without realizing it because customer service is also the frontline service for IT service. So when they've struggled with their device or their Wi-Fi connection or accessing some sort of application, they've probably got in touch with customer services, not realizing it was library staff. So many will have engaged already. Uh, and yeah, that is that is the key, really. Come in, ask the questions. We're we're certainly always here to help, and that is our aim, to, to support everyone in their work and, and studies as best we can. So, yeah, just get in touch. Okay, marvellous. Well, it uh, seems really it's just fairly obvious, and traditionally people probably have always perceived it so, but the library really is very much the grease on the cogs that keeps the university running in terms of its actual achieving its mission statements within either research or just educationally. So the unsung heroes maybe of many an institution across across the country. Well, brilliant. It's been really informative little chat that I think we've been having today and hopefully people will find it useful if they hook into the podcast. Are there, are there any sort of final pointers or words of advice or sort of ad- advertisements for what you do within the library that you'd like to get, you get your message out before wrapping up here? May I just share a quote that I I absolutely love? I found this about a year ago. I was reading a book called The Midnight Library by Matt Haig during the COVID lockdown, and I came across this quote about librarians, which uh, I thought was just perfect. And it is, librarians have knowledge. They guide you to the right books, the right worlds. They find the best places, like soul-enhanced search engines. (laughs) And I thought that just sums up our library staff's approach to work where soul enhanced search engines i just love that quote so i think that sums up our staff really <laughs> brilliant okay well well thank you very much uh, for your time guys james sarah laurie it's been marvelous chatting to you so i just would i, I guess as a a suffix to that to encourage everybody to make use of the services that the library has to offer and any questions that you have for your library staff they are eager to help so just get in touch with them through the usual usual routes um, and if you're not sure who to get in touch with in the first instance maybe touch base through the, the customer service desk and uh, the people will be glad to uh, jump in and help I'm sure thank you very much all for your time today well, thanks for this opportunity Thank you. Yes, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Okay. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much.